You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to this show, the second podcast that we're releasing today, Thursday, October the 12th. Still a drizzly day here in TW11, and you've been reacting to our previous edition, which went out at 8.30 this morning, about Frankie Dottori's retirement U-turn. For those of you who haven't caught up with it, you'll be able to pick it up wherever you consume your pod straight after this, and we'll be replaying his interview very shortly. Uh, He is going to continue his career in the United States. It's a whole new life and career for Frankie Dottori. However, we've got very important news to bring you now, and that pertains to one of the most famous races anywhere in the world, certainly the most famous horse race in the UK, the Randolph's Grand National, and a significant change to the Grand National as part of a raft of recommendations that have been rubber-stamped in a bid to improve the safety of the race. And the key headline is that the safety factor has been reduced from 40 runners to 34 but that is one of just a number of recommendations that have been approved david yates once again newsboy from the daily mirror is with me Uh, david before we hear from saleka varma who has put this report together uh, just give us the the key headlines and and how the grand national is going to change in 2024 that's the headline, as you say, the reduction of 40 to 34 of the field size. But um, there are other things to note as well. The, the first fence has been moved 60 yards closer to the start of the race. Uh, the distance of the Grand National remains unchanged. Um, but obviously the, the first and the second fences have caused uh problems in the past of the last 10 runnings uh, they've accounted for 24 uh, horses who have fallen uh, unseated or been brought down and so that is a measure that's been brought in to um to combat the speed of the runners at the very start of the race um there are going to be changes to the the irrigation uh, which is going to be less reliant on uh manual operation and more automated um the start time of the race is going to be brought forward over the last couple of last few years we've been used to seeing grand nationals um that are run in late afternoon well that's going to be revised first and also um we're going to see a a minimum handicap rating is is raised from 125 to 130 that's been academic really uh in recent years and also uh looking there's the the grand national review panel uh can look at the ability of horses to jump in their eight races prior to entry and there is that discretion uh, that some of those horses can be uh, weeded out and not allowed to run if it's felt that their jumping uh, doesn't serve them for the task of jumping the the 30 fences of the Grand National. But as you say, the headline is very much the reduction from 40 to 34. All right, well, I'm joined now by the uh, Director of Racing for the Northwest for the Jockey Club, Saleka Varma, who's also the clerk of the course, of course. Entry and who has compiled uh, the research that has led to these recommendations, which have subsequently been rubber stamped by the Jockey Club and also by the British Horse Racing Authority. So, Laker, first of all, the headline is the number, the reduction in field size from 40, which has been since 1984, to 34. Why 34 specifically? 
So when we we um, spoke to all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds within within the racing industry and um, also welfare organisations, uh, a lot of people involved from the British Horse Racing Authority, course inspectorate, uh, the veterinary side of things as well. We also looked at um, the available data, um, analysed that in-house, but also looking at um, available academic papers. And one of the things that um, has has been discussed for much uh, the time is the fact that we do know in jump racing, where there is a, reduce, a reduction in field size, there is a reduction in the risk of falling, unseating or being brought down. Where we struggled with that data is that there are so few races in the UK where there are actually more than, than 25 runners. The Grand National is unique and, and very special in that it has up till now had 40 runners. Um, we took a view um, that we needed to balance retaining the competitive nature of the race, the excitement of the race and, and the unique nature of it. All of those are, are, are real hallmarks of what makes the Grand National so special. And balancing that with the opportunity to reduce the field size and, and therefore, according to the statistics available, reduce the risk of horses falling. The flip side of that is there was a concern um, that if you reduce that field size too far, you risk creating a faster and therefore more dangerous race, which is why we have um, pitched in at 34, which is 15% reduction. There were those pushing for us to go as low as 30. We felt that was too low um, and we felt that the, it, it is the right time, given the nature of the race, following the fences being changed 10 years ago to reduce the field size. Because there's quite a bit of data in this paper that tells you that uh, the speed accrued, for example, to the first fence has got greater and greater over the last decade. And that's why you're moving the first fence. There's quite a lot of data that suggests that you need the ground to be not too firm because that, again, increases the risk of serious injury and fatality. The, the headline number is something that you're effectively conceding doesn't really have the data to back it up because the data doesn't exist. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. We we have a we have a broad understanding across all jump racing that very put very simply, with reduced field size comes reduced risk. But once you go beyond that area of 25 runners, those statisticians who pull together this data for us say that the the margin of error widens significantly beyond 30 to be able to say well if i reduce the field size by x reduction in risk is x percent we we don't have that solid data because the, those races don't exist in a in a high enough quantity to be able to create that that graph that would be ideal I've already made mention of the speed that that horses are, are getting up over the over the first couple of obstacles, which which you believe has been contributory to uh, the issues that have, have taken place over the last two or three years. Uh, it, it's one thing to move the first fence, and it's a, another thing to reduce the field size. You've also got to rely upon the increased responsibility of the jockeys. Um, what are you doing to to ensure that that happens? Well, there's there's two elements I, I'd pick up there. I think. Um, 
to say that we're, we're looking at just the last few years is not quite true. I think in this process, we really looked at the evolution of the race since the fences were changed 10 years ago. So 10 runnings of the race, we obviously didn't didn't run the race in, um, in 2020. And what we have seen is, is jockeys riding the course with greater confidence. What, what used to be called the brave man's route down the inside is, is, is now just the quickest route. And, and the jockeys are riding those fences, knowing that the impact of making a mistake is reduced and knowing that that inside line is, is not as, as risky, shall we say, as it once was. Now, those we believe that is, is the right way for the course to be because it is a safer course as a result. But what it does mean is that the, the field are, are closer to the inside of the course and therefore um, reducing that field size means that there's a bit more space for those runners going along that inside line. They still, however, will presumably bunch up down that inside line. You, you need them to use the course in order for this to, to work. Yeah. So one of, one of the things we introduced um, this year, which we will, we will continue with, was a new type of jockey briefing. So previously, over the last 10 years, the jockey briefings have been very much classroom style very much standing there saying to the jockeys, this is everything you shouldn't do. This is what, you know, we'll tell you you're naughty if you do this. And we felt that that's no longer the appropriate way to talk to professional athletes. So we um, asked Mick Fitzgerald, Barry Geraghty, Ruby Walsh and AP McCoy to actually conduct the briefings on our behalf. They took um, a quarter of the, the field each and carried out one-to-one -one jockey briefings with each individual with a video uh, which Ruby had, had produced alongside ITV Racing using the footage available to them and informed by a, a paper that we had commissioned um, looking at the data to tell the jockeys statistically the safest and best way to ride the race in order to win. Um, and that is a lot about pace and positioning Um pace more so than positioning um you know you can be at the at the front riding at a, at a, a fair pace and complete the race you can be at the back riding at a fair pace but if you are going too fast you will not complete and, and the statistics bore this out to the letter um so that was a that was a huge moment for us in 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 taking things a step forward in encouraging the jockeys to think about this race differently are there going to be changes to the Grand National every time a horse dies? So every year we carry out a review of the Grand National, as we do with all of our, our major festivals and to an extent every race meeting that's hosted at every race course across the country. We are always looking at ways of improving. You know, for me, the focus is the track. It is it is making the conditions and the, the environment the best it can be for horses and jockeys. But you know that it goes beyond that. It goes it goes beyond reviewing the the experience for for stable staff, for trainers. For so we are constantly evolving as a sport and a, as a as a race course. So it's not it's it's it shouldn't be what you're saying is it shouldn't be seen as a direct contingency. Fatality equals review equals change. You're not following. No, the I don't. No, I don't believe it is. I think I think we, you know, you you can go back you know, 10, 15, 20, even more years. And the Grand National has always evolved. It has always changed as a race, uh, and I don't, I don't imagine that will ever stop. This is, this is not, this is not something 
change is not new. Let's put it that way. These are new changes, but change is not new. So if if it is not a contingency on a fatality, would these changes have come into place if Hill 16 had not died in this year's race? I, I believe that we would have been looking very closely at these, these matters anyway. Um, certainly on the back of uh, 2022's race, we were already making changes. We enhanced the veterinary protocols. I've already mentioned the jockey briefings. Um, the, these things, as I say, it, it, it's evolution. Um, the race the race will always change because there are always new things to learn. There's always new ways of, of looking at the way the way we do things. In terms of that run to the first fence lake, it, you you can't move the start for logistical reasons, is that right? So you actually have to move the first fence to meet the start. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say a pretty much unanimous view during these conversations was that the run to the first needed to be reduced in order for the horses not to pick up as much speed in that the early stages of the race. Our okay. first instinct was, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, so presumably now there's a longer run between the first fence and the second fence. Correct. But that so is actually seen as a as an advantage because what we find is there's there's a rush to the first and then the speed drops and things calm down and everybody finds their position and they get into a rhythm and the race continues. So it, it's that competitive run to get the position for the first that we want to try and just rein back a little bit and just slow things down. Um, and the standing start will mean that the runners are spread right the way across the course at the start so that they will ride to the first. It will come to them sooner than it has done before, 60 yards sooner. They will jump that and then the horses will be into a rhythm and the rest of the race will go ahead. Is there evidence to show that the horses can't get up to the speed that jockeys want them to get up to in that distance, 60 yards shy of what it was before? I think, I mean, it's it's sort of um, simple maths, isn't it? You know, a shorter distance doesn't allow you to build up as much speed in the, in the way a horse gallops. Um, you know, they, they take time to get to that speed. So, so yes, the, the belief very much amongst amongst those those who are very close to these horses that we have spoken to is that, is that this will work in reducing speed. Um, are you going to make the ground softer as a rule? You, there's there's quite a bit in this paper about. Um, increasing the sophistication of the irrigation system so that you can produce genuine good to soft ground, would it not be better just to say soft ground? Soft ground equals fewer injuries, doesn't it? Um, so research has shown that good to soft ground is optimal for jump racing. Uh, and we have at Aintree always, uh, certainly in, in the last um, 15 years, aimed to produce good to soft ground for the Grand National one of the challenges we have had in, in more recent times is the late time of the race, which means that irrigation finishes during the night and then you have the whole day for the course to dry out. So one of the things we want we're going to do is actually bring the race earlier in the day. Um, and also we're going to upgrade our irrigation system further. We have a, a combination of, of manual and automated irrigation. We want to move more towards the automated side. Um, so that we have we have more control um, over when the water is applied and can do it at, at so basically the late at night, early hours in the morning without our ground staff being being awake all hours. In terms of going towards soft ground, um, there was a, it, it was something we talked about. Um, 
but the view was taken that um, the deeper the horses go into the ground, the bigger those fences become, the harder it is for them to get the feet out the ground and the tireder they get. So actually, you know, you might get soft ground naturally that we can't mitigate for that, but actually artificially producing soft ground would, wouldn't be right. And also uh, as a clerk of the course, I feel that um, artificially irrigated soft ground would not be nice ground to be running on it. You risk creating false patches and, I, and I'm not I'm not comfortable that that's something we should be doing. Um, the argument will go that this is a direct response, not only to a fatality, though you have rejected that that construct, but also to the um, increased presence of a, a visible protest last year, courtesy of, of, of Animal Rising and the debate that ensued thereafter. How intense was that feeling of something must be done? I, I think um, the feeling of something must be done it, it isn't wouldn't be the right way to put it. I think it goes back to what I was saying about about these are annual reviews. These are these are things that we look at every year. Where is there an opportunity for change? Where is there opportunity for improvement? And this year we 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 looked in depth at these things and we feel that the time is right given the evolution of the race since offences were changed 10 years ago, given the way the race is now run, that the time is right to make these changes. And for those who say, well, all you're doing is taking something away from the race every time you, you make these changes, you're, you're gradually just chipping away at a great institution to the point where um, if, if this is followed to its natural conclusion, there will be no race left. How would you answer that? I, I would say I would say it's completely the opposite to that. We here at Aintree, we are here because we love this race. We're here because we love horse racing. The Grand National was the first race I ever watched um, at about the age of nine. Um, and and what we are doing here is aiming to protect and safeguard the future of this race and of of jump racing as a whole. Grand, the Grand National is is the race, the jump race that everybody watches. It's the race that everybody knows. Wherever I go in the world in this role, people say, what do you do? I mention the Grand National. They know what I'm talking about. And we are so, so certain that we need to pre preserve that. And, and we believe these are the right changes to make now in order to keep that for the future. All right, that was Saleka Varma, the racing director for the Northwest region of the Jockey Club, also responsible for the course at Aintree. And uh, Dave, what was your reaction to, to that interview? Okay, I'm going to deal with uh, the things that I I think are, are right, first of all, Nick. Um, obviously, the I, I certainly think that, that bringing back the time of the race to earlier in the day is a good thing. Um, it, if, if you get a warm day on Merseyside, which we have quite frequently the last few years, um, the, the ground dries out. It gives the, the crowd more time to, uh, to, to drink and become more boisterous. And obviously that, that raises, um, the atmosphere and that's communicated to the horses so i think those are good things the automated irrigation sounds like a good idea not um uh, an area that i'd claim to be uh, an expert in and i think that the the moving of the the first fence 60 yards closer uh, to the start of the race I, I think that that is a good idea too when you when you consider uh, the 
the record that the first two fences have had in terms of fallers, unseats and brought downs um, over the last few years. I think those are all sensible and I think they're good measures. Um, the, the reduction from 40 to 35 causes quite a lot of consternation in my brain um on the positive side it means i've got to do 34 pin stickers guides instead of 40 in 2024 but i just don't see what the evidence for it is and what evidence there is for it i'd say actually runs counter or could be uh construed to run counter to the idea of of cutting the field by 15 percent um so lake of armor admits that uh there is uh scant evidence at hand in any case because there are so few races with more than 25 runners um and there's also the admission or the recognition that uh, a smaller field would travel faster and therefore uh, the risk goes up i don't know where the number 34 came from my um my reading of it is that it is just on the lower side of 35 and therefore that appeases uh, the people who were causing for a uh, who were calling for a 25 percent uh, reduction in field size to 30 and so if you say well 36 35 they're still not happy and then you can say to them look we've gone to 34 uh, that's as close as we can get for the time being um I i'm also concerned generally uh, as to the timing of this the, the the 2023 grand national was unlike one that i've ever seen obviously with the the disruption called by, caused by animal rising protesters Pol politically i think i'd have been inclined to hold fire for a year so that it, it, lest it be said that that these were just uh um uh th these were these were bowing to the uh protesters by making changes um we lost hill 16 in the in the 2023 running at the first fence i'm slightly concerned and and Seleka does deal with this directly you asked her this question um every time there is a death is there going to be uh, a further change well i i think we'd have to see about that um Seleka makes a reference to a unique and very special race in the grand national uh, and she talks about evolution well that evolution is heading very much in one direction and there seem to be changes made almost year on year these days um i i think that we're, we're getting close to the point whereby the grand national will cease to be uh unique and very special i support most of uh, the recommendations the changes that have been made but i'm still mystified by uh the reduction from 40 to 34 i think the speed potentially will go up it go it goes without saying that if you have 15 percent fewer horses running in a race then you're, you're going to have uh 15 percent fewer casualties uh mathematically but i everything every time you get a jockey club race courses or a, a bha uh, announcement these days at the top of it they tell you that it's data driven but in this case i just don't see the data that supports going down from 40 to 34 all right well let's get a, a professional take on this lucinda russell has won the grand national not once but twice with one for arthur and this year with Corrick rambler who may be back for a repeat bid in 2024. This is what she had to say about the changes to the race. I think it's brilliant. I think, you know, I just think this is a whole sign again of Aintree being proactive and trying to 
trying to help their, their race, help the sport. 34, so that's going to be six runners less. Um, I think that's, I, I don't see that it's going to harm the race. I think it can only be good. Uh, do you think it will meaningfully help the race? It's you know, a fairly arbitrary figure, 34. Do you think the race needs de- decluttering a little bit to make, it a, to make it a safer one and a better one? Definitely make that charge to the first fence slightly better. Um, it's funny, so obviously we adore Corrit Rambler, obviously won the race this year. Um, we were worried about even thinking about running him in it again because it, there's a risk with it, with it. And we drove down in the car the other day and uh, to the McCoys and uh, Skew said to me, look, the only way that I'd run him again is if they reduce the field size and if they make another few little alterations. And we got there and I think Grant Rowley said to me, we're going to reduce the field size. So um, I think they're right. I think we've got to do something to to stop that horrendous cavalry charge to the first fence with you know the boys can't help it they the boys and girls they can't help it they're excited it's the it's the start of a super race and and they're all picking up speed and heading towards the first at high at a high rate and there are too many of them do you not think though that actually we underplay the the agency of the of the jockeys here and maybe even the trainers that give the jockeys the instructions and we say well it's 40 horses they just hurtle towards the first that's that but of course the studies have shown that in the last couple of years they've left their brains in the weighing room and they've gone way quicker than than they had done previously in spite of all the briefings that they get. They've got to take some level of responsibility, haven't they? Yeah, but that's from you and me, Nick, that haven't ridden, you know. I mean, well, you, ha- you have got a lot closer to that than I have because you've competed in, you know, in equestrian events at a much higher level. And not only that, you, you lead these horses around your fields and up your gallops every day. Yeah, and I suppose if you say to any sportsman, look, if you say to a rugby player, when you go out there, try not to get head injury. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, you can't... They're, they're sports people. Uh, the horses are wound up. It's the biggest day of their... of their, Well, some of their lives. And they, they just want to be as competitive as they can do. And I think that's... It's what happens. I don't think anyone can stand in cold blood and say, try not to go too fast, boys. Of course they're going to crack on. Um, so it's up to the sport then to put some parameters in to actually stop that happening. Absolutely. I think that's right. And I think, you know, as I say, Aintree are making the best effort. What about the moving of that, of that first fence so that it is closer to the start? What effect do you think that is going to have? Or will it have the desired effect? Uh, not so sure about that. I mean, I think, yeah, the farther you go, the more speed you're going to pick up. So maybe it is going to have an effect. Um, I think... Yeah, it, sh- it should do. I mean, logic says it's going to make a difference. Logic says that they're not going to be able to go faster and faster and faster to the first. They're still going to um, attack the first, but hopefully that with the, a smaller field size, they can. The, the, there won't be the upside downs. And the preparation of the, of the racing surface, would you like to see it run on very soft ground every year, for example? I mean, that's been a suggestion that's put, been put forward. I think the ground does... Well, they, we know that scientifically if that uh, faster ground produces more injuries. Um, I don't think we can artificially make the ground soft. I think it is better if the ground is soft. You know, I was just, just laughing about it with Skew earlier that they used to plough an area that was... They galloped over plough before they got to the first fence of the National. That was many years ago. Yeah, I don't, that probably slowed them down a bit. Yeah, I don't think we have to quite get back to that, uh, to that level. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely the, the softer ground, but I'm, I'd find it very hard to criticise Aintree on their ground. You know, they always produce very good ground. That's the reason that we ran a hoist and you're there over hurdles was because we wanted him to um, 
go on, on ground that was safe at that time of year. And I, I think they do do a fantastic job of, of trying to get it on the soft side of good, and that's where it should be. And in addition to you winning the race twice, because of what happened last year with Animal Rising, the protests, the fatality at the first fence with Hill, um, Hill 16, you, because you'd won, were, were thrust into the limelight not just as a, as a victor, but also as a spokesperson for the sport. And that must be something you're always very conscious of. And we, we talked about it again when we, talk, we did the podcast last week, when we talked about your, your advocacy for the sport on, on Desert Island Discs. Yeah, look, we've all got responsibility for it. It's not something that I particularly want to do. and I. Um, well, no, no, I, no one's going to volunteer necessarily. No, but I do feel that, you know, it's easy to talk about things that you know about. And I think what I do know is that the level of welfare that we have in racing is phenomenally high compared to very many other sports and a lot of other horse disciplines. And, you know, I, I look at the horse standing in the field at the side of the road and that's not getting soaking wet in the cold or being overfed and being obese that's not right that's more of a welfare issue than the things that racing does and I think the fact that here we go again there's Aintree trying to make things safer mm. I think we should be very proud of that yeah and, and just finally on that point those who criticise this decision might rightfully say thin end of the wedge where do you stop where's the end point what's your response to that well, that's hardly exactly. Um, I mean, we're not changing the sport here. We're just making the field size slightly smaller and bringing the fence closer to the start. I mean, I think they're being small-minded if they say that. Interesting perspective there from Lucinda Russell. Just returning finally to this, uh, David Yates, I tried to establish a couple of things with, with Suleika Varma there. And I think my concern, and I, I've expressed this concern uh, both in an entry capacity and outside, is that th- this has got to be seen as part of an evolving process and not as a direct reaction to what uh, was a very difficult and challenging year in 2023 when a, a, a very unusual set of events unfolded, uh, both in terms of the protests, the time, the weather, the race itself. If every time there is a fatality, there is a change then it's a legitimate question for plenty of people to ask and, and will ask it, right, where is the natural conclusion? And in a sense, I was heartened to hear Saleka say that she didn't feel this was a direct response to a single catastrophic injury or a fatality. I too was heartened by uh, what Saleka Varma said. Um, and I, I hope that that is shared by uh, the rest of the hierarchy at Aintree and Jockey Club racecourses, because it's easy to forget, Nick, just quite what a furore there was in the aftermath of the 2023 Grand National. I mean, it dominated. We, we used to we used to radio phone-ins being dominated for the Monday. This went into the Tuesday and beyond. It pretty much raged for much of the week uh, following the Randox Grand National, and. My feeling, my my fear in this particular case, and I, I I share your concern about the word appease and appeasement, but um, that's why I think that I would have politically I would have been uh, inclined to take all the data that I could, but probably not do anything uh, this year because I just feel that. Um, if there is going to be a fatality in 2024, then it'll be exactly the same again. And I think it'll be hard for 
um, to jockey club race courses Aintree to resist further calls for change. Um, I, I think that the, the other thing as well with the data is that I'm sure that moving the, the first fence closer to the start to, to, to try and put a lid on the speed, I think that is... A, a very sensible mood move and i've no doubt that it's that it's evidence-based but i think there is a sort of whack-a-mole uh aspect to to lots of other data as concerns the grand national and that is uh you you address something that happened recently uh and you make a change and lo and behold something pops up in a completely unrelated uh, part of the race, part of the course, which accounts for um, an equine injury or wow. fatality. Well, and then you, and I think there is a, there is a, a random aspect to some of the data. And I, I think people will, will be listening to that. And the first thing I thought when you said that was, well, Seleka's point there was that because Ruby Walsh had said, the jockeys are riding the course with so much confidence now because the fences are safer and a little smaller than they were 15 years ago that where what used to be the brave man's route down the inside is no longer the brave man's route it's every man's route and that then has led to another issue which is bunching down the inside and crowding and that effectively is one of the reasons why they feel the need to to reduce the field size and of course there'll be those arch traditionalists saying well if you hadn't fiddled with it in the first place and the fences were still you know, like they were in my day, not upturned dandy brushes, then, you know, you wouldn't be in this situation. But of course, that that is a, a very reductive way of looking at things. And, you know, we, we have to progress. There have been 66 runners in a Grand National before. No one's suggesting a return to that sort of thing. Indeed. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I, I, I realise that collecting the data and the evidence is a good thing to make, to, to manage the risk. Uh, if I hear one race course executive say, uh, with relation to the Grand National, one death is too many once more, I think I will scream because we're talking about managing the risk. And we know from the evidence that if you run 40 horses over 30 fences of that size in a horse race, then statistically these days, what is it, every other year, we're going to get a fatality. So I'm um, in saying that, Nick, please don't think that I'm I'm anti-evidence or I'm a flat earther or anything like that. I just think that the 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 uh changes have to be based on evidence. I think the first the, the the first fence change is based on evidence. Uh, there are other aspects, in, and, and notably the the reduction from um, forty to thirty four by by Salaka's own admission. It's not data based, particularly because there's scant data in that area. All right, moving away from the Grand National now, but to another iconic race, a race that stops the nation and the world, and one that has had its own. Uh, challenges as regards the the safety of horses down the years uh, the lexus melbourne cup two key challenges this year both come from the willie mullen stable voban and absurd they've made their way to melbourne they're under the supervision of willie's assistant trainer david casey with whom i caught up yesterday to monitor their progress yeah they landed uh, i suppose in the early hours of last sunday week morning um i think they're flight was delayed a bit so they didn't get to the yard till about two o'clock in the morning so um obviously you've got a lot of vet checks with the department of agriculture vet out here actually you know they're the first ones in so um blood tests and swabs and and everything like that so all of that gave them some fluids and just let them settle in for a day and then um gradually just uh, easy sort of work 
um, for the for the first week. You know, let them settle in and let them put back on the weight that they'd lost on the journey. Um, thankfully, our two uh, seemed to travel very well, didn't lose a lot of weight, and, and, and put it all back on straight away. So um, that was good. And then from then, we've just been cantering away, and we're a little bit away still. So we'll be, we'll be up under work now in the next few days, um, starting to go a little bit faster with them in, in preparation, obviously for the race. You know, we're going straight into the Melbourne Cup. And in terms of what, how they would train relative to how they train at home, do you try and replicate that as best you can? Yeah, obviously, um, you know our gallops. It's 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 not obviously the same gallop, but um, we we try to do it as, as as similar as possible as you, as, as as can be. You know, so um, it's not completely the same, but um, you know you have to make do with the tools at your hands. So that's what we're doing. Uh, well, the one thing you can at least do at, at home is to gallop quite fast around a bend, which most people don't. So the, 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 maybe the, the similarities are more than they would be at some racing yards. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least we, we, we've, got, we've got that anyway, so we've got plenty of bends here. Um, talk to me about the, the two horses, because they're quite different characters when you see them out on the track. You know, we talked to Willie the other day about Absurd being, yeah, yeah he's got his own mind and Vauban being very chilled out. Is that how, is that how they are on the track or have they both been pretty good? Yeah, no. Since they since they're and he's, he's been he's taken it all in. He's been so cool and ch- and chill. Actually, he's very relaxed. Um, taking it all in his stride. Nothing seems to bother him out here. Uh, the other fellow was probably a little bit anxious the first couple of days. Um, he's actually he's settling in really well. Actually, he's got he's got a, a hell of a lot quieter since he's arrived. Um, the first couple of days, and he's settling into the routine well. So, but they are different kind of characters. Um, as you say, Vauban would be very chill and very relaxed. Um, whereas the other fella, um, slightly a little bit more hyper, um, a little bit more forward going, but um, but he seems to be settling into the routine well. Yeah, and Ryan Moore and Zach Purton, two pretty decent riders on their on their backs as well. Uh, in in terms of in terms of them um, coming out, I guess I guess Ryan will come out last minute. But Zach Purton, have you had any steer from him about when he might be able to come and sit on Absurd, or do you think he'll he'll sit on him for the first time in the cup? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I imagine Ryan will be in America the weekend before, mm-hmm. so he'll probably be only coming in late. And I'm not sure are the Hong Kong Jockey Club overly enthusiastic about their jockeys leaving to go and ride a bit of work. So um, I, I imagine, and I haven't spoke to Zach about it, but I imagine he'll only be coming in for the race. I think um, I think they're pretty strict in in Hong Kong about letting their jockeys away like that. So um, I imagine it'll only be for the race, you know. Okay, that was David Casey on Vauban and Absurd. This is our second podcast today, as I was telling you. The first one, which you should be able to pick up on your podcast feed directly after this, is with Frankie Dottori explaining why uh, he has made a U-turn on his retirement and is going to base himself full-time now, life and career, in the United States. And what follows it is a full analysis with with David. Uh, If you missed uh, the interview, here is just a little taster. Now then, we are come to the 21st of October, what will be my final day in England. Uh, I had second thought and uh, I discussed with my wife and my parents that uh, I want to carry on a little bit longer in the in California where I had such a lovely winter because I mean, the, the dynamic of my year has changed so much. If I wasn't riding any winners or not get riding in the big races it would have made my decision much easier but at this point I'm, I'm still feeling good and I got to get out of my system so uh, it's very painful to just let go but 
I am, that's the reason that uh, I am retiring from Europe, mm-hmm. but I am carried on for a little bit longer in the USA. All right. It's been a very busy day. Thanks to all my guests. Uh, David Yates is still with me. Um, David, we may as well end this podcast kind of where we began it, which is Aintree and that frenetic uh, 2023 running of it uh, and Animal Rising, their rise to fame or infamy, their subsequent actions at the Derby, which saw protester Ben Newman arrested, jailed, and the civil case came against him yesterday for breach of the injunction that was taken out against him before the Derby. What happened to him yesterday? Did he get sent back to prison? No, let's just wind the clock back to July and the uh, the charge of causing a public nuisance. Ben Newman received a suspended 18-week prison, prison sentence and 80 hours of community service. Yesterday's hearing was for breaching the Jockey Club's High Court injunction. Remember, Jockey Club went to uh, the High Court and got that injunction, uh, banning protesters from disrupting the race. Uh, ben Newman, as we all know, ran uh, onto the straight as they climbed the hill through the first couple of furlongs. Um, he was given a suspended two-month prison sentence uh, yesterday and fined £10,000 as well. I have Nick. We go to Chelmsford City for the 6.30 race. It's number nine, The Waiting Game, uh, a filly who's really hit her straps since being sent back to six furlongs in distance, is on a five-timer now, and I hope can defy an eight-pound rise for her latest victory over course and distance. 6.30 race at Chelmsford City, selection number nine, The Waiting Game. All right, Dave, thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you haven't, uh, listen to Dave's analysis of the Frankie Dottori interview. You will be able to hear that on the previous episode. Uh, that is all for today. Back with another busy show tomorrow when Jane Mangan will be my guest. That has been Thursday, the 12th of October. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.